shaking though when he touches. Yeah, I think so. You know, Matt? Yeah. Oh, the denial! And let's see if the Raptors challenge this. Yeah, they're gonna. Yeah, they're gonna challenge it. Oh, yeah, that's a block. Matty yeah, that's thinks. a coach's challenge. That is a what, Jack? Oh my goodness! You may remember last season, he got absolutely clowned on for being posterized, as he said after the one twenty six one thirteen win over the Memphis Grizzlies just a week ago. If he has a chance a hundred times to block something, he'll jump a hundred times, and he did exactly that. Unfortunately, that was perhaps the highlight of what has been a dark, dark Raptors week in a dark, dark Toronto season. To continue to dissect what has just been a series of underwhelming performances and results to match them. Varel, welcome back to Somber Mood this week once again. Doesn't have to be like this every week, Kamel. Yeah. Well, um, Raptors aren't giving us. They aren't giving us any winning weeks. One and three this week. No, but but in some ways, Kamel, it is it is kind of fascinating to watch. You know how it occurs. You know, with some disasters, just to see it all fall apart. There's something really interesting about it, and this is an experiment, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> to see what will occur if you have players who have flexibility, adaptability, who have a lot of different skills in terms of playmaking, shooting, being able to defend multiple positions, but who don't have that many specialist skills. You don't have these long big men being able to alter shots. Um, of course, that's the main weakness we've talked about. But yeah, it's it's interesting. It's interesting to see what has happened this season. I think if... Correct me if I'm wrong here, Kamal. I think the com- NBA right now is probably more competitive than it's ever been. And so Most I'm not definitely. sure how true reflection of this, uh, this you know, this underwhelming record is at the moment, you know, going under 500. Give it, if, if we took this, you know, five years ago, uh, we might be seeing a team that's, you know, really battling for the higher playoff seeds. I do think we have quite a talented team. So... Yeah, I'm, I'm not really sh- sure what quite what's going on. So it's probably better just to dive straight into some of these games. Yeah, of course. And of course, those of you who follow us on Twitter will have seen a recent article for Franchise Sports. Shout out www.franchise.co.uk on how Nick Nurse is building a defence for the playoffs. He's not building a defence for November. And uh, sort of mentioning, we must do mention degree of patience throughout this throughout this pain at the minute as the Raptors fall to a nine loss. But as you say, let's dive into these games. Let's start off hot. 126-113 win against the Memphis Grizzlies on 25th November. And I see a massive correlation between the presence of Gary Trent Jr. this season and the Raptors' offensive fortunes. I believe that this was their highest scoring Yes, this the Raptors put up the most points they have this season in 22 games. Mm-hmm. Six. Derek Trent Jr. scored to 26. There's also massive contributions from a- Van Vliet, 23. Scotty Barnes, 17. Siakam, 17. Interestingly enough, Precious Achua, 17 as well. But he scored every single in the third quarter. <laughs> um, 
And, you know, if you have a guy like that who can turn into MJ just for 12 minutes, that's pretty useful. Um, but I look forward to Precious's 60 game inevitably later on. Um, well, um, we will compare this, of course, as well to last night's loss against the Grizzlies. But what yeah. do you think? What did you think went well, maybe, in this Raptors performance? And, and more, uh, more interested in sort of waxing lyrical about Gary his progression this season. He didn't part last year uh, after the trade for Powell. Some some people were already regretting it a couple of games in, but he's really stepped up the season, and the Raptors have certainly missed him in his injury absence. I think he he was the key. I completely agree. Um, there were moments in that game where we were struggling to get things going on the offense, and we we would just get him involved in a pick and roll or coming off a screen and hitting a shot from the mid-range, he, he's actually been quite comfortable shooting from there. And I think he's probably the only player that I'm happy to see shooting, shooting mid-range jumpers in this team. The other one, potentially, um, if Spee Mahai, Mahai look, if he works on it a bit more, but, you know, he is more of a three-point shooter, Spee. Um, yeah, those are the kind of buckets. So, yeah, you're just, you're just struggling to get things going. And it... Those shots are always free. Of course, there's they are the shots that most teams prefer to now give up when they're um, on the defensive end. So um, I was happy to see him shoot those. Um, he had a terrific game, um, eight of seventeen from the field, pretty much you know a little bit over fifty percent. But of course, you can look at also the raps. How it was a very balanced offense this game as well, Kamel. I think mm. almost all five starters almost scored twenty points, which. Pro- it's probably unheard of for any team. It, it, that, if that had actually taken place, I mean, I'm not sure if that's ever happened in NBA history. So, um, yeah, f- fascinating in that sense. And yeah, this was by far and away our best uh, offensive performance. But it has to be said, Camille, it is against a team who, you know, they don't have the best defense. No, that's completely correct. It was extremely easy. I mean, you mentioned about Gary Trent Jr. His ability to take those really difficult contested shots and just make them with at a really high clip is proving extremely useful because then it serves to open up the floor a little more and make it easier for the other starters to score as well because they're honing yeah. in on Gary Trent a lot more. But you're right, on, and both on the offensive and defensive end, the Raptors were very effective this game. We've talked about the three-point shooting percentage for the opponents before. And as we mentioned in the franchise sports article, this game was one where the rotation seemed to work. The Memphis now aren't a terrible three-point shooting team. You know, no. you have the likes of Desmond Bain, uh, Dylan yeah. Brooks, but they only nine for 29 this game. The Raptors' rotations were actually all right. And I'd really put this down to the bench presence in this game. Firstly, a reduction in minutes for Chris Boucher. He only played seven minutes. His minutes were given, of course, to our <laughs> Japanese superstar. Utah Watanabe and James Block, which we played the clip at the start of the episode, his immediate impact on the rotations was, I think, plain and apparent for all to see. Yeah, yeah, Again, yeah. it doesn't translate on the box score. Minus five, um, only scored three points from three free points. But he managed to fit in into that team defense absolutely perfectly, which is very encouraging. Very, very encouraging. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think we'll... it's important to mention his two steals and two blocks as well there, Kamel. Oh, yeah, um, of course. So, yeah, that absolutely. He had, he, had, he had a box score impact as well on the defensive end. 
keep it a grizzlies while we sink to one of the troughs in or one of the many troughs in the 98-91 loss last night. Now, this was the lowest point total that the Raptors have put up, except for the Boston game and the opener against Washington. The difference is those two are actually half-decent teams, and Memphis are a good, honest, 100 basketball team. Quite an embarrassing performance last night. I know, again, there was Anobi, there was a distinct lack of Gary Trent Jr., but it's still not good enough. You can, and we talked about all of the starters putting up almost win. You cannot have two of your starters in Precious and Svi combining for 12 points in 47 minutes to get uh, shooting a total of four for 16 from the field. That's just that's just not going to win you anything. It's not going to produce 100 points in anything. The Raptors haven't scored 100 points since the win we just mentioned. Do you think? And I know injuries play a part, but do you think there's just not enough firepower in terms of depth in the squad? Or do you think maybe they're lucky at the minute? Yeah, yeah. I, I think um, we need one or two more players who can shoot off the dribble, um, just players who can who are more consistent shooting from the three-point line, especially. Um, which what do you think of Malachi? Awesome Say again? Malachi Flynn. He really impressed last year when he stood in a yeah. lot for Lowry and Van Vliet, yeah. but he's not really cut it this season. No, he he has struggled. He has struggled. Um, there were a couple of highlights I remember watching in the first Grizzlies games where I was um, I was impressed. Uh, he only ended up with six points, but um, that, that was it. The one or two highlights I saw that I was impressed with, but potentially from his end, he's not being aggressive enough. Um, and he he is particularly undersized and not stocky, and it is something that I um. So is Van Vliet, but no, no, but Van Vliet's very stocky, so he, he's not going to get bullied. For example, like Van Vliet's very adept at finishing in the lane and uh, around the basket because uh, he's a very tricky finisher. He sometimes you know shoot those things. He shoots uh, those layups incredibly high and with spin off the glass. But the point is, he won't get bullied going to the basket. Whereas Flynn is a no go, like. He he looks like a teenager when he's running to the basket against the likes of Stephen Adams, and I think it was apparent for the team as a whole against uh, Memphis this uh, this last game. Like the paint was just no go. Like you had Stephen Adams in there, and although he didn't, he didn't end up with any blocks, like it's because they didn't want to go anywhere near him. So they were terrified. Then... Did you see him on the offensive end as well? There was one where he grabbed an offensive rebound. I think he forced his way through about three Raptors, undersized yeah. Raptors players, <laughs> yeah. and just forced. I know what you're talking about, and he just he just put it back up. Yeah, um, he's just wading through the sea of um, sea of vertically <laughs> challenged players. Part of the Raptors it, team. It, it, it's it's why the Raptors ended up shooting 39 threes. Uh, it was it was absurd because yeah, they just couldn't rely on going on, um, on the inside, and it's a game they probably looked to. Uh, take advantage because of course uh, Morant suffered that unfortunate injury against the Hawks as well so you're thinking ah this is a Grizzlies team that we beat with Morant last time round so they're right for the taking but it's important to be said that um, this is a really well balanced Grizzlies team and it has a lot of young depth uh, a lot of depth and especially young depth at the guard position I mean you had Tyus Jones playing 34 minutes in this game and although he did struggle he facilitated the offense in our in Morant's presence with 
uh, and Morat's absence, sorry, with six assists. And, um, you know, you have the likes of Dylan Brooks, who's an undersized shooting forward. Desmond Bain is just an absolute killer shooter. And I think he's, his, uh, he's his dagger three, his dagger oh, three, contested three, was just something else. I mean, fantastic yeah, I, triple there. He, he, he used to be a player that just um, pretty much was a catch and shoot three point guy last year, but he's added, you know, um, getting threes off dribble, handoff screens, um, uh, off the dribble as well. He's adding that to his game, although he doesn't do that as much, but he's adding it to his game. So he's becoming really lethal offensively. Um, so, yeah, um, this was very much uh, a team effort from the Grizzlies. And you did end up uh, with Jaron Jackson actually stepping up this game with 25 points. And he struggled this year but as there well. Was only, so... There was, there was only on. one difference, though. I mean, you, you mentioned the Raptors shooting percentage. Grizzlies actually shot lower. They shot 38% from the yeah. field. And again, they went 10 for 34 from three. So clearly on the difference, um, whether it's the Memphis, but clearly something worked on the Raptors defensive end to not get that many open looks. So there, there is some sort of positives to take here. And maybe, you know, if those 11 minutes that went to Isaac Bonga or those 22 minutes that went to Malachi Flynn suddenly go back to the Raptors team healthy again, maybe you see some... The only difference in this game, actually, was the free throws. Memphis made 16, Raptors made 9 of 12. The score difference, 7. Says it all. uh, Yeah, I I think we can maybe move on to the other games. But a theme I want to continue into, you know, all four of these games, Kamel, is the other point is rebounding and rebounding is something we've talked about for two years now and the only game where we don't get out rebounded by more than 10 rebounds is of course the Grizzlies victory we had in the first of this sequence of four games so I think that pretty much says everything and uh, against the Grizzlies it wasn't you know a 45 rebounds from Stephen Adams as you might expect because Stephen Adams to be fair he doesn't you know he's not a big man that cherry picks a lot of rebounds he does let his you know forwards and guards get around the paint area to get rebounds as well. But if we move to the Pacers game, un- like expectedly Hell so, yeah. I mean we had I mean Sabonis probably you know he's I I'd say he's the best power forward rebounder if you're calling him a power forward uh, in the whole league, and he ended up with 18 rebounds and seven offensive rebounds. He was he was dominating in every single aspect of the game. That is the lack of bench scoring. The Raptors are currently bottom in the league for bench production. I mean, there has been countless examples of such disparity between the two benches that it's simply unfair. Likes of Van Vliet playing up to 40 minutes a game, putting up their work, Siakam as well. But they just can't handle it because the Raptors bench, and it's just not, this is not only to do with injuries. You know, we've lost the likes of, of course, Dragic and Oji and Gary Trent in recent games, but it's just generally, you cannot trust Banton, Boucher, Flynn to put up double digits in any game. Now, of course, this will be strengthened by the return of Utah and possibly the starters, which move the likes of Spee and uh, others into, you know, around the... the For example, in this pace again, yeah. yeah. Exactly, in the 20-minute mark. Oh, and Ken Birch, of course, coming back as well. I mean, we're forgetting a lot of players here, but... Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of 
time, but even a couple back could be so, so useful. Yeah. So what's exactly needed is, I mean, I don't know. Is it another free agent in to come in? Is it just to work on this? Is it to trust the bench more? Is it to let the bench work it out by giving them more minutes and almost maybe giving up the next couple of games just to let the bench work its magic and get into some kind of rhythm? Kamel, the thing is here, the Raptors have had an issue in the last like three, four years where we've just had a spate of injuries. And I think it's not to win. Every team mode. has injuries, man. Every, every team does have injuries. But you know what, what I'm talking about in like the COVID year, um, where it was, you know, pretty much locked down the whole year. Uh, this last season as well, like the Raptors philosophy from the bench has always been next man step up because constantly we've had like it just been at, at every possible moment in time we've had like three or four players out and it's been like that for like two three years so the thing is we've just we've kind of scraped by in previous years we've just we've every player has been you know they've really stepped up to their role and um they've embraced their larger role um which they were given when somebody else was out but maybe we just don't have the personnel to be able to do that we don't have you know we can't trust the likes of pressures to come in and you know pay 35 40 minutes as a starter um in the absence of ken birch for example um because ideally Kamel, if we had a fully healthy roster i think i would like the, to see this team go in the direction of some other um top contending teams who don't have too many young players to develop um, and that is to go in the direction of just much shorter rosters and uh, rotations, even during the regular season. The Pacers are an excellent example. I mean, they had four guys off the bench in that game, but four very, very solid like NBA vets. Uh, well, outside of Chris Duarte, um, but you know the likes of um, Craig and McConnell off the bench. Um, so they had a nine-man rotation. They've just got eight or nine very solid players. Uh, another example, of course, my favorite team, Utah Jazz. They famously, <laughs> in the past two years, have p- pretty much had a seven to eight man rotation, and that's been very successful for them because they're looking to compete now, and they don't really have young guys to develop. Um, so the Raptors are kind of in that boat or that that uh, you know that position where you we've got Scotty Barnes to develop, maybe OG to develop as you know a star player for this team, but. We don't have too many, you know, uh, rookies or second or third year guys that we're looking to really push well, on. Maybe you can well, put Flynn, Flynn and Banton there, but these probably Precious as well, to be honest. Precious as well, but Kamel, these guys, do you really see like a future for some of these guys, like long term for the for the raps? And like, if you're looking to develop a young guy and give him 15, 20 minutes, like surely at this stage of the NBA where you've got so many. But it's just so unbelievably competitive. If you're developing a young guy, in my eyes, it has to be somebody who you're like, right, this guy can compete for a starting position in like two or three years' time at the at the most. And the likes of Malachi Flynn, I don't ever see him being a starting point guard in this league. And if he is, he'll be, you know, in the bottom like 10 starting point guards. So why would you work so hard to develop somebody who at most may just become you know a very solid uh bench player 
doesn't really make much sense to me. I would give more minutes to Banton because maybe there are aspects of his game you go, oh, if he improves his shooting, he might go on to become something. But do you kind of understand the shortening of the rotation and, you know, the focus on developing the right young players, not just like, you know, the second rounder who we might have or the first rounder who doesn't, who don't, they don't have that higher ceiling? Absolutely. I mean, I think you do definitely have a point with the injuries. You put in an eight-man rotation in this Raptors team. You've got Van Vliet, Gary Trent, OG, Siakam and Barnes starting. And then you probably have Precious, was it Precious, Watanabe and Mikhailuk off the bench? Maybe Dragic yeah. if he comes back? Maybe Ken Birch, yeah? or, or maybe swap, swap out Mikhailuk for, for Ken Birch or something. Right, right, right. But that's a much more effective rotation. And then you can... Let Flynn, let Banton, uh, let Justin Champignier, Boucher, Bonga have it out, have their development in the G League. You've got to remember all these Raptors stars now, especially the likes of Van Vliet, they all had their start in the G League. They all, you know, I believe Van Vliet was G League MVP once. He's, you know, they need that time to develop and they're not currently getting it because instead they're playing significant minutes on a losing team which isn't necessarily all that good for their development. And Malachi Flynn, as you say, is a perfect example of that. So I think maybe let's give the let's solve two problems in one. Let's give a healthy Raptors five to ten games with a tight, healthy rotation. Let's send maybe Banton and Flynn down to the G League for a bit, have them work on more fundamental stuff, work on their shooting, and then come back fresh and then come back and if the Raptors are losing or winning heavily, play low pressure minutes that's the way to develop a team i think that's the traditional way but that's one that nick nurse has been unable to utilize the season due to personnel choices um but yeah so let's see on the bench one thing i want to focus on and i think we can swiftly move on to the celtics game with this yeah is yeah. one of the few positives is scotty barnes three level scoring now when Definitely. he was drafted we knew he could score in the paint we knew he was athletic and explosive what we were unsure about was his jumper but Scotty has appeared to develop a fairly effective three-point shot in recent games. Against the Celtics, this was very apparent, shooting four from nine from behind the arc, including a very a very difficult uh, contested one, which made the highlight reel. He was this the one against, from the half-court, uh, Camille? Oh, uh, I mean, that kind of... I think that was against in, in the first Memphis game. Uh, oh, okay. The yeah, buzzer yeah. beater from half-court. Yeah. Ironically, that was his only three of the game. But in the <laughs> Memphis loss as well last night, he shot three from six from three. He's mm. looking very comfortable from behind the arc now. Mm. He's looking good. His mid-range is looking fine. And I mean, this guy's growing into a three-level scorer by the day. So that's one benefit of not relying on the bench. And, you know, Pacers are bringing Duarte off the bench, uh, I don't know, what, 20, 25 minutes a game. But Scotty Barnes is playing 35-plus minutes a game, and it's really, really helping him at the minute. It's really developing him. Yeah. And, He's, he's just turning into a star. I just wanted to highlight that three-point shooting because that was yep. a very rare buy at that Celtics loss. Um, the, the second, okay, wraps now one and two against the Celtics this season. Wanting to see the back of them. Interesting thing about this game, Jason Tatum, two for 16. The Raptors held him. Managed to facilitate well. Ten assists, seven rebounds. But again, just killers off the bench. Josh Richardson with 18. And there's freedom, as we now must call him, with 9 and <laughs> plus 15 and 10 rebounds. And again, you look at the Raptors bench in this game, gave you a grand total of 13 points. So, But, but it, it must be said, Camille, this was a competitive game. And uh, 
Well, till when? Till uh, the fourth, I guess. Middle of the fourth. Yeah, no, it was. It was, honestly. Like, um, going into the fourth, I think it was like third, fourth minute into the fourth, we were up by a couple as well. And they just pulled away. And uh, weirdly, I think they pulled away based on our correct defensive strategy because we were just like, please, Marcus Smart, carry on shooting wide open threes and bricking them because he was he's having a horrible shooting night <laughs> up until the fourth. And then I think he made two or three three-pointers to kind of help Ooh, the Celtics uh, pull correct. away I mean, fourth. You're right. They're at crucial points. There's one to go 93-83 up and then one to go 98-85 up, uh, both from Marcus Smart. So, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, they definitely pulled away from the four because up until that point, it was very, very back and forth. There were a lot of lead changes, um, which I think is promising against the Celtics team who have been improving a lot as of recent. Um, yeah, but just we all know about how Marcus Smart uh, called out both Tatum and Brown. Um, I think it was like 10 games ago saying, uh, you know, they need to look at you know, look at this from a more team-orientated perspective. And it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see, Kamel, because I don't know if Tatum is capable of being, uh, you know, a high-level playmaker like so many of his peers in in the category he's trying to reach. He's trying to reach that, you know, superstar category. And a lot of those wings in that category, like LeBron, Yanis, um, whoever you're looking at, Durant, like, they, they are very capable of uh, playmaking at a high level, even, you know, making those cross-court passes into for, to the corner shooters. And it's something Tatum has struggled with a lot, I think, for the last couple of years. He's just not, you're not able to do it like those guys. Yeah, so, I mean, it's the Toronto is actually probably the perfect game for him to develop his playmaking. In two games in Toronto, he, he has 17 assists, averaging eight and a half, and, and his season average is only 3.7. I did he's, not uh, know he's not that. Broke, he's not broken five assists, more than five assists against any other team oh, wow. this season. It's just Toronto, which has proven perfect, perfect way to develop his passing game. Uh, so, yeah, he has yeah. a lot to thank Nick Nurse for. I'm yeah, kidding. We know Nick Nurse is going to fix this team one, one day or another. It, it's, it's good to end on that kind of positive note, though. We're helping other uh, teams develop their superstar players. That's our role this year. I mean, uh, well, anyway, it's a, it's a good time to wrap up, as you say. Nine and 13. We do have a couple of things. We do have Mr. Watanabe, our Japanese superstar. We do have three-point shooting of Scotty Barnes. We have the butterfingers of Precious Achua. We have the tunnel vision of Chris Boucher. And we have the bricks of our many, many bench players. This has been your Balling in the Six for the week. Let us pray that Milwaukee, Washington take pity on us and uh, we can maybe clean up against OKC and Sacramento. How likely is that, though? We'll see you next time on Balling in the Six. Thank you, Varel. Peace out, everyone.